Iowa's News Now Sports brings you black and gold glory. Your all-access pass to all things Hawkeyes. This is Eye on the Hawks. This is how you find out if we're a legit team or not, is when you get like that and how you're going to show up this week in practice and how we're going to show up on Saturday in the game. That's what we're fixing to find out on Saturday night under the lights at Kinnick. Welcome to week five of college football and Eye on the Hawks. Our guest this week is Elliot Clough, Hawkeye reporter from Rivals.com. Elliot, thanks for joining us this week, first of all. Yeah, thanks so much. Uh, Elliot, it's hard to imagine the Hawkeyes could have looked any worse on Saturday night against Penn State. Can you remember, remember any other game you've seen from the Hawkeyes that they looked quite as bad as and overwhelmed as they did against the Nittany Lions? Well, the first game that comes to mind is Ohio State last year. <laughs> just a year which ago. Which was just awful in so many ways. I mean, you look back and, and the offense can't do anything. And it, it, this is about as bad as we've seen it in terms of offensive output. I mean, zero points. Zero points, it's the first time that's happened since 2000 mm -hmm. for this Iowa football team. And, I mean... I'm assuming you watched it. Uh, I watched it pretty much start to finish, uh, mostly on mute, but yes, yeah. <laughs> I, I was here and watching, yeah. So uh, being there, it was some of the worst football that I've seen in my time covering Iowa um, and just covering football in general, to be frank. I mean, the offense couldn't do just about anything. Mm -hmm. And of course, that, that first quarter was where things started to look like they would be competitive. Yep. And there was that fumble by Eric All, the ball off the back of Diaz Fernandez, mm -hmm. and they kind of dug themselves a hole that they couldn't get out of. Yeah, it just kind of went downhill from there. You can't have those mistakes in a game like that, and Iowa had those mistakes. Well, after a blowout loss, teams can do one of two things, let it linger or get back to the drawing board and come back stronger. No surprise, this Hawkeye team is opting for the latter and on to Michigan State. We know what it means to play in a, a conference like this. We know it's a it's a one week schedule uh, every every week. So uh, we're prepared for this coming game. Uh, we're excited for this coming game. Excited to get back in Kinnick. We're moving forward. We know that last week was last week, and we know that there's a lot of stuff to build on. So I think we're right now just building on those little things that we saw within film and making those tweaks and making those assignment changes. We had our one day to like pout about the game, and it's behind us now. And now we're focused on Michigan State. And preparing for them. I took the entire day Sunday to, to feel that loss and then and then you know we're moving on so um, you know in terms of, of how it is inside the building it's you know it's a beginner's mentality in terms of you know how we come out to the practice field and, and willing to just do the hard work and get things done to be able to push it forward. Well it's easy to say all the right things as we just heard from Nick and Nico and Nick and Jay but how do you think this Hawkeye team is going to respond coming back from a blowout loss like they had to Penn State? Well, it's a lot easier to say that they'll bounce back this time coming up against a bad Michigan State football <laughs> team with a lot of stuff going on uh, on the inside uh, with, with the removal of their head coach, trying to move on with, with a new head coach, lots of, of, of different faces after some of their best players left in the transfer portal. This Michigan State team is struggling, and this is going to be a really solid opportunity for Iowa to bounce back. Um, I, I think they do, and, I, and this 24-hour rule that we mm -hmm. hear a lot about I think is a big reason why. I think that's a positive for them to take forward. Yes, this is a horrible loss, and, and you feel it to your core, but you use it to move on. If there's any Big Ten team you wanted to play after a game like that against Penn State, Michigan State is this year at least that team you want to play. Going back to that game in Happy Valley for a second, what do you think for you from being there, seeing that in person, what was the, the most concerning aspect of that game for you? It's got to be the offensive line play, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, this was some of the worst offensive line play I, I've seen 
in, again, <laughs> any team that I've covered, <laughs> truly. This was, uh, Cade didn't have one second to get into one read while he was there uh, on the offensive line. And, I mean, you can, you can point to a variety of things. Of course, Brian Ferentz is going to be the guy that everybody wants to fall on the sword. Mm-hmm. Um, people point to George Barnett. You know, these, these guys still rally around their coaches and, and, yeah. and each other. So we'll, we'll see how it, how it shakes out going forward. Um, and it's, it's tough to be worse than what they were last year in, in terms of the offensive line play. It was pretty bad. It was pretty, pretty bad against a really talented team yeah. in, in Penn State. Hard to know what to expect out of them because against Iowa State and against Western Michigan, the line looked pretty dang good. But against Utah State, even, they looked mediocre to below average. And now against Penn State, kind of the same deal. Well, speaking of rallying, Iowa's QB1 was not happy about the blowout loss to Penn State after the game. Players say that he gave a passionate speech about how the result was not acceptable. Naturally, we're not privy to what was said in that speech, but we can hear Cade at least talk about why he felt the need to speak up. I just get a feeling that something needs to be said. And usually I have a pretty good feeling as to what needs to be said and when. I won't do it unless I've, ha- I've earned that right to say something. And I think, I think it's just kind of a, it's more of a natural thing. You know, when Kate talks, a lot of people like to listen. You know, when he said that, I think everybody understood, you know, what our job is and what we need to do as, as an Iowa 2023 football team. Everything's not gonna be perfect. That's just not realistic, but we're gonna be better than the past Saturday. Well, Elliot, in spite of so many offensive struggles this team has had this year, they do really seem to be rallying around Cade McNamara as the leader of this team. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, a guy that has that had that pedigree, that mm-hmm. success at a school like Michigan under Jim Harbaugh with another player like Eric All that has, has been, been there, done that with a really talented Michigan football team. This is a, a quarterback that has a level of confidence that I don't think Spencer Petras had last year mm-hmm. based on production as a high school football quarterback, but also being the quarterback at Michigan and having that success, leading a team, whether he was the focal point of the uh, the, the offensive power that was Michigan, it was more so the yeah. running attack, but he was the the leader of that team and, mm-hmm. and the quarterback. And, and when you have that level of success, confidence comes with it. Yeah, and you see that that indication even before the season started when Cade was named a team captain, something that Spencer Peters was never named team captain. Well, Saturday's Saturday will be Iowa's first game against the Spartans in three years, but Cade McNamara, he played at Spartan Stadium in 2021 as a Michigan Wolverine. Cade and Michigan lost that game 37-33, but he does have some knowledge to bring into Saturday night's game at Kinnick. I've thought about it just maybe a little bit since just from a schematic standpoint that it was the same defensive coordinator that I faced when um, I played them last. Other than that, um, I just kind of took a look at, you know, how I was able to operate again and see what some tendencies, if if they were similar to what I prepared for back then to what I'm preparing for now. And um, those are just kind of the little things I took a look at. Elliot, last week, last week there was a lot of talk about what K did against Penn State in 2021. We did not see a replica of that performance on Saturday night. Well, do you believe that it's going to make a difference that he's seen this Michigan State team before, or are those games already just two years ago? Is that too far in the past? I, I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah. I, I think you have to consider what he was able to do against Michigan State two years ago. There are still players on that team that were there then, believe it or not, um, in this transfer portal COVID era. Uh, but I, I think you have to take into consideration what he's been able to do uh, with, with, the, with that Michigan team against Michigan State and the level of, again, the confidence that he has is, is kind of 
surprising to me, considering <laughs> the output that the Iowa offense has had. His belief in his teammates, his belief in himself, and, and what the Hawkeyes, well, maybe have been able to do in practice because because we haven't seen it we haven't seen it in games to this point um, you know far it's been far and few between at the least yeah yeah what we're told at least that they do in practice which again is a similar soundbite to what we were hearing the last two years frankly well Kirk Ferentz said that there weren't too many positives on Saturday night in Happy Valley but one man in black and gold has stood out all season long Jay Higgins had a career high 18 tackles against the Nittany Lions and is ranked fourth in all FBS with 50 tackles a season, more than any other Power 5 player in the country. Every time you're around the ball, I mean, he's just, he's making plays. And I think this, it goes, it's a real tribute to his preparation. Uh, it's a real tribute just to him and his character. And I think that uh, by no means is he satisfied at all. I think he's just going to keep mo moving and he wants more. Just a tremendous leader. He's tremendous at communicating um, and he, he brings it every single day at practice. Like I say, I say it with most of these guys, but you know, you see him make all these plays out on Saturday, you should see it in practice. I can't really just go to the ball in this league unless somebody's uh, helping me out. Um, and that's that's how our defense is built. So, I mean, YA and um, uh, Logan Lee and Graves and even my DNs, uh, just keeping those guys off of me and Nick. I mean, I can't make a play without those guys. Elliot, Jay's been waiting in the wings behind guys like Jack Campbell and Seth Benson. Did you expect that he would make such an enormous and impactful splash this season? Truthfully, out of the portal, I thought Nick Jackson was yeah. going to be the, not necessarily the Mike linebacker, not necessarily the middle linebacker. I think uh, we all expected him to play the will, maybe fly around a mm -hmm. little bit more, whereas Jay Higgins would lead the defense and be that guy in the middle, be the Mike linebacker that you need him to be. But he's just racking up mm -hmm. tackles, clearly. I mean, like, the, the, the stats speak for themselves, right? And partially, this has to do with the way Phil Parker designs the defense mm -hmm. in, at Iowa City. Um, and he just also does a pretty solid job of cultivating Mike linebackers, as does Seth Wallace. Mm -hmm. And I think we both know that. Jay Higgins has stepped up in a way that I think isn't exactly surprising. I wouldn't categorize it as surprising because... He's done a pretty good job in the reserve role that he's played to this point in his, his Iowa career as well. He's stepped up. He's taken the role. And, and we've heard all the right things from him in the spring and up into the season. And the way he talked about that Mike linebacker position is it, he, he, he spoke of it with, uh, I don't want to say awe necessarily, but with a reverence, mm -hmm. with respect and understanding what his role is. He was ready for it. He's done it to this point, and he's arguably, if not for sure, one of the best linebackers in the country. Yeah, Iowa has that wall of consensus All-Americans in the media room. And before the season, I kind of predicted that Nick Jackson would be the next face on that wall, which, who knows, maybe he could still be. But right now, Jay Higgins, he's going to be the next guy on that wall. I mean, I'm just the quarterback. I'm not the. I'm not calling the plays or doing any of that. That's not my decision. We're, I'm just gonna run the play as fit, and I'm gonna throw it to the open guy. The United States Army Academy, a football team that virtually never throws the ball. Their wide receivers have 27 catches a season. Hawkeye receivers only 14. Granted, this is an offense that tends to target the tight ends, but Kirk admits that this is an offensive aspect that they're trying to get figured out. You know, as a staff, that's something we're doing weekly is just trying to figure out what's the best way we can do to help improve production offensively and uh, getting the receivers involved probably makes, you know, makes some sense here as we move forward. I'm extremely confident in them. And they know how confident I am, and they're, I know that they're confident in me. So I don't really care about 
uh, anything other than our, me and theirs relationship. And I know how we both feel about, about one another. Elliot Clough is back with us on Eye on the Hawks. Elliot, you had that clip of Cade McNamara on uh, Tuesday that uh, made its rounds across the state of Iowa. That uh, when Cade made that comment about um, he's not the one that calls the plays. I think you and I probably both agree that what fans took out of that is probably not what he meant by that. Yeah, I, I, truthfully, I, I think folks have, have read into that a little bit too much. I, I, I thought that Cade was doing what we've heard kind of a lot of him do over this last few weeks, few months of him being a Hawkeye, and that's just kind of deflecting those questions. He didn't really want to get into it too much, clearly. I mean, uh, this is something that I asked about a week prior as well in, in talking about spreading the ball around, getting it to the receivers. Guys like Caleb Brown, who was a very highly touted uh, recruit out of the portal, recruit out of high school even, went to Ohio State, then comes to Iowa City and ends up playing for the Hawks, has only had two touches, both of them jet sweeps. Shocker. <laughs> and so... This is something that I think is a product of, of several things. I think it's a product of the scheme. I think it's a product of the route trees that mm -hmm. the, uh, the Hawkeye wide receivers are running. And then I also think it's a product of the fact that the offensive line has had a lot of struggles, uh, given Cade time to, to pass the ball. Yeah. Uh, you talked about Caleb Brown as a transfer. Seth Anderson comes in as a transfer. I think that anybody could see that they have talented wide receivers on this team. Do you think a lot of those guys have to be getting frustrated with the lack of touches they've seen? You know, we definitely won't hear that. Mm -hmm. We will definitely not hear that. <laughs> but you have to imagine behind the scenes being being frustrated. I mean, I remember playing sixth grade football and being frustrated <laughs> that I wasn't getting the ball enough, let alone being a three, four-star recruit mm -hmm. that comes into Iowa City, a guy like Caleb Brown who probably has the mindset that I'm the best football player out here. And that's not an indication as to or, or, uh, a negative comment on Caleb. That's probably how he should think about himself. Yeah, Coming yeah. in as a four-star recruit, coming from Ohio State, a guy who was a playmaker yeah. in high school. And I'm not getting the ball. What are we doing? Yeah. Yeah, it's probably something true about him. I mean, he probably is maybe the most talented guy on that field. Do you envision that come three, four months from now, we're going to lose some of these guys to the transfer portal? You know, that's that's tough, especially in an, in an NIL era um, where swarms involved. Uh, who, who knows what, what kind of contracts and, and, and what's going on behind the scenes in, in terms of NIL deals. And they have a lot of incentives to stay with Iowa for that reason alone. Mm. And then, you know, we haven't heard a lot from, from Caleb Brown, but we have heard a lot from some of these other transfers. And these guys rave about Kirk Ferentz. They rave about Iowa football, at least to us, on, yeah. uh, in, you know, to the media. Yeah. And so... You know, it, it's tough to look three, four months ahead, especially in the transfer portal era. I mean, and I, yeah, I, I don't know that that's going to be something that we can answer right now. Right. You know, we get a few more months down the line, and that'll be something that'll be easier to address and, and to, to, to go into. Yeah, we're kind of in an era now where almost no matter what, you're going to lose at least a handful of players to the portal, who, no matter who we are. Well, Iowa and Michigan State have had plenty of down-to-the-wire matchups over the years. The 2015 Big Ten title game and the 7-got-6 game in 2009 are iconic Big Ten battles. But then you got games like 2010 where an undefeated top-five Michigan State squad came to Kinnick and got just absolutely toasted. Mitch Fick is catching up with former Hawkeye quarterback Ricky Stanzi about that day. Take me back to, to going into the Michigan State game in 2010. You're coming off the Wisconsin loss. What do you remember about the mindset heading in? They're a top five team. They're 8-0. You guys need a win to, to stay in that Big Ten race. Do you remember a mindset of just like, we got to have this one no matter how good this team is? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you're getting into conference play like that, um, 
you know the stakes are high. You know that the game is most likely going into the fourth quarter. Obviously, we had just had a heartbreaking loss against Wisconsin. Um, and, you know, that one went down to the wire. And you, you kind of have to circle the wagons at that point, get everybody, um, you know, locked back in and focused. I, I do think that sometimes after a big win, it's almost more challenging to focus and lock in as opposed to you lose a tough one and you're really, you're, you're, you got that feeling, you got that sort of, you know, bad taste and you got that, that feeling in your stomach that you want to change. You want to go right back on the field and play again after a tough loss. So I think you had some of that roll into that Michigan state game. We were obviously very focused. Um, I don't remember what our record was at that point, but we, we didn't have any games to give. Like we needed to, to win as many as we could, obviously. And you have a good football team coming in. Um, obviously, 2009, you know, went our, our favor, um, laid at their place. So you expect a little, you know, them tuned up, ready to go. I just remember everybody focused. I remember us, um, you know, expecting a battle, coming out fast, things going our way early and often. And then just kind of felt like we had our foot on the gas pedal, never felt like they had any control or any momentum in the game. And it was kind of cruise control after we got things rolling early on. It's been a tough first four games for Iowa, try being Michigan State. Their only wins are over an FCS team and a mediocre Mac school. Sparty has been outscored 72-16 to over their last two games, and the university has stated their intention to fire head coach Mel Tucker. Interim head coach Harlan Barnett is acting head coach at the moment, with former head coach Mark D'Antonio coming back to help guide the program in a tumultuous moment in their team history. I think he'll probably just give them some stability and a really, uh, it's got to be a, you know, challenging circumstance. So, um, you know, my, my guess is that's like his number one role. And then uh, just being a good sounding board for Coach Barnett, you know, to give him uh, somebody to bounce some ideas off of, I think would be, you know, just invaluable. Elliot Clough back with us here on I and the Hawks. Uh, don't want to make light of anything that's going on here in Michigan State right now, of course, but from a strictly football perspective, does this give an opportunity to for Iowa to get a win over a team that's somewhat reeling right now as a program? It, it does. Uh, there's been some success on the field. Obviously, you mentioned the, the FCS and the MAC wins. Noah Kim looking pretty solid. They're starting quarterback, of course, in, in those couple games. But then they come out against Maryland last week and just got shellacked. And, and Maryland's a... a an up-and-coming football team, <laughs> yeah. one might say. Yeah, they're 4-0. Uh, I mean, right, they're, they're looking exactly. good right now, yeah. Uh, Tau Loa, Tagovailoa. Talia Tongovailoa. There yeah. we go, yes. Uh, <laughs> He's the guy. It. Yeah, thank you. Um, a, a great quarterback. Iowa made him look silly a couple years ago mm. in, in Maryland. And so this Michigan State team, I, I think reeling is really the, the best word to, to, to describe them at this point. You bring in a guy like D'Antonio who had so much success there, and I think ultimately that, that might help, but this is a very different team than it was during the D'Antonio era, era. And when you lose your head coach right before the season starts, that sends things spiraling, to say the least. Yeah, uh, it's kind of what we expected Northwestern to be this year, but turns out those guys look all right on the field, and Michigan State's who's been in so much turmoil as the season started. Well, Iowa-Michigan State, Big Ten rivals for more than 70 years, but not many games between the two in recent memory, just two games since the 2015 Big Ten title game. Spartans winning in 2017, and the Hawkeyes winning during the COVID-shortened season in 2020. Elliot, you have much familiarity with this Michigan State squad. Is there anybody on that roster that really jumps off the tape at you? Uh, 
Well, for Michigan State, the first thing you got to look at uh, offensively is a running back because they traditionally have one of the best running backs in the Big Ten. You go back to Le'Veon Bell. You go back to even a guy like Javon Ringer, to, to Jeremy Langford, and uh, more recently, Kenneth Walker III, who now plays running back for the Seattle Seahawks. So you always got to consider running back for Michigan State. And, of course, in the Big Ten, you're going to consider the defense mm -hmm. as well. So the running back, of course, and, and Noah Kim is playing some solid quarterback in those two wins so far, maybe not in the blowout losses, but um, the, the defense as well for, for the Spartans. Yeah, I want to ask about Noah Kim. You've got him at quarterback, but I think in each game so far, they've, they've had another guy that's taken some reps at quarterback, kind of a two-QB two system a little bit. We see a little bit of uh, a second guy in there. Does that present any challenges for Iowa, knowing they might have to prep for two different guys at quarterback? You know, when it comes to the two-quarterback system offensively, I really roll with the way of thinking that if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. <laughs> and I think it presents more of a challenge for the players on the offensive side of the ball than it does for the players on the defensive side of the ball. Of course, generally speaking, when you're looking at something like that, that means that you've got one quarterback who's a little bit more mobile, one quarterback who has a better arm. So that's something you have to consider taking into consideration for the Iowa defense. But other than that, I, I think it, it favors Iowa more than anything. We're back online the Hawks with Rivals Hawkeye beat reporter Elliot Clough. Elliot covers Hawkeye football and basketball teams, also a man who knows his way around the recruiting world. Elliot, from what you've seen this fall, tell me about some high school players that are committed to coming to the University of Iowa that have got you really excited. Well, it starts in eastern Iowa, of mm -hmm. course, uh, where, where we're at right now. Derek Weisskopf is a really talented linebacker out of Williamsburg. Uh, of course, there's a connection to Williamsburg right now on the Iowa football team in Caden Weechin, same high school. Uh, but, but Weisskopf is a ridiculously athletic linebacker who does it all for, for Williamsburg. He plays a little bit of H-back. He plays tight end. He plays safety. And the reason they have him at safety is because he flies around like nobody else does on, on that football team. Yeah, they could put him at linebacker, but he does so much on that back end for the Williamsburg defense that you just kind of have to have him back there. And, and he's not even putting up some of the craziest numbers on that Williamsburg team. I mean, that's a team that looks absolutely stacked to win a state title this year. Uh, let's talk about some eight-man football. Cam Buffington, a guy down there in Winfield Mount Union who's been great this season offensively, defensively. He's another guy coming to Iowa as a linebacker in the uh, next couple of years. He does a little bit of everything for, for that Winfield Mount Union team on offense, on defense. He's one of these kids in eight-man football that is a generational talent. Mm. Eight-man football is eight-man football for a reason. You don't have a lot of guys <laughs> to put on the field. And, and Cam does it all every single Friday night. He's a guy that I haven't been able to see in person yet this season, but I'm very much looking forward to do that. The plan is, is in a couple weeks, but he is so ridiculously athletic for that level of play, he could probably win a state title himself for yeah. Winfield Mount Union. And they've got two Division One players on the team. They've got a tight end who's going to Army. Yep. Cam, I think it just took him four games to total 1,000 rushing and receiving yards a season. I mean, he does it all on offense and defense. I think, am I right to say three future linebackers at Iowa who are high school uh, Buckus Award uh, watch list members. I think Weiscott, Buffington, and the third one? Preston Reese. Preston Reese, that's right, of course. He plays quarterback for them as well. Yeah. Uh, another guy that's going to be future Hawkeye that just committed a few weeks ago, Nick Brooks, out of the junior class. Uh, I mean, seems like a kid that's going to really be a impactful, almost immediate impact maker on that Iowa offensive line. The first thing I think of when I think of Nick Brooks, uh, Owen, is the fact that he is 6'8 and 385 pounds. That is verified with head coach Brian White. And he moves, again, this is a quote from coach Brian White, and I've seen it myself. He pulls 
like he weighs 250 pounds. He is a freak in the weight room. He's already set the squat record at Kennedy High School, and he's only been back for, for a couple months. <laughs> he did that in the first month of being back at yeah. Kennedy. And to boot, he's, he's a great kid. Mm -hmm. I, I've had a lot oh, of fun man. interactions with Nick. He's, he's really invested in being a Hawkeye, too. And what I'll say... He's going to be compared to Caden Proctor. Mm -hmm. He's not Caden Proctor. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, and, and I don't mean that as an indictment of Caden Proctor either because I, I didn't know the kid. But Nick is a ridiculously talented four-star recruit, top 150 recruit in the country, and he is committed to being a Hawk. Uh, maybe more uh, Tristan Wirfs than Caden Proctor there we from go. what we've sure. seen so far. Sure. Uh, yeah, nicest kid in the world. So light on his feet. The games that I've seen him out there, I mean, he'll, you know, anytime he's down on the ground, he just like pops himself right up. I mean, again, you would never guess that this guy is reaching four bills. I mean, yeah, he's, right. he's an incredible yeah. athlete too. Well, let's get to our week five game picks, Elliot. Starting with the Iowa State Cyclones. Big win over Oklahoma State last week. Bit of a tougher challenge this week heading to Norman for the 14th ranked Sooners. 20-point underdogs. Who do you like in this one, Elliot? Well, they're 20-point uh, <laughs> underdogs for a reason. Going to go ahead and take the Sooners in this one. I'd say that's a safe bet. Let's go with Sooners. Uh, Boomer Sooner all the way. Next, the second-ranked Michigan Wolverines. Haven't looked too great so far against some weaker competition. Just saw Jim Harbaugh come back to the sidelines of this last week. They're still undefeated. They travel for the first time to Lincoln, Nebraska to take on the Huskers. 2.30 right here on Fox 28. Michigan is 17-point favorites. Do they win? Do they even win more comfortably than 17 points, do you think? Yes. I was holding that back for that whole <laughs> that whole bit there. Michigan, a so much more talented football team. J.J. McCarthy, considered in the Heisman race before the season started, for good reason. That, that Michigan team is is just way too talented for anything uh, to, to Nebraska to, to keep up for them. I'd imagine so. Nebraska won a couple in a row well, now, but uh, this might be a reality check for the Huskers. Well, now to the main course. Hawkeyes opening as six-and-a-half-point favorites, but that's double to 12 and a half at this point. Uh, this Michigan State team reeling after two straight blowout losses at home to Washington and Maryland. Do the Hawks have a bounce back in their system this Saturday? Yes, they do. Okay. I, I don't necessarily <laughs> fall in line with that 12 and a half point spread. Hmm. I would imagine it would be 10 or less. When you look at what the Iowa offense has done, it's prove it to me that you are as good as your confidence says, says you are. Mm -hmm. You've got to put the product on the field. I'll believe it when I see it. To wrap it up, I, I think that the defense has shown what they are. They're not quite as good as they were last year, but they are among the best in the country. Iowa offense still struggling, so we'll see if they can put it together this Saturday. Do we see another Western Michigan game or a Utah State game? Hard to say for this weekend. Well, that does it for week five of Eye on the Hawks. Every week we're going to be doing a live stream on YouTube reacting to the Iowa game. You can interact with us at noon o'clock on Sunday. You can follow along at Iowa's News Now on YouTube. We'll send out the link from our Eye on the Hawks X account, I guess we should call it. We want to thank Elliot Clough, of course, for joining us for week five, the uh, college football season. Elliot, appreciate you having me in the studio today. Owen, oh, thanks so much. You bet. Have a great weekend and enjoy the game this Saturday.